Jesus Christ, Yahshua preaching the gospel of the Messiah, and ministering in deliverance and miracle healing. Add some great guest interviews, and you have the recipe for fresh oil for the airwaves. Tune in at OmegaManRadio.com. All right, we're back live tonight. I want to welcome you wherever you may be tuning in around the world. We're, we're doing a live marathon every day, Monday through Friday. Carl, as we're getting started, let me say hello to a couple people out there. Okay. Let's see. We've got Dave LeBlanc tuning in from Canada. I want to say hello to Dyson. We've got Seth Colburn, Keith. We've got Maria in uh, London, England. Yes. Paul B. We've got Sister Brenda up in Omaha, Nebraska. Jenny Bateman, Nate Colburn. Judy Ann Clifton, Minister of Deliverance in Sydney, Australia, tuning in. Connie Rollins, Nett Figaro. We've got Sister Reed in California. We've got Michelle, Gail, David, Gwendolyn Isaac. We've got Darren. We've got Restauranto. Uh, David Beloved, we got Arginus Deschamps from France. He's in the States now. Miracle Hunter, we got Bao of the, she's of the Hmong tribe, which is a tribe in Asia. Some of the people have been recently found on a trip to Vietnam. That's another story. Ivan McRoy, wow. Lori Ruby, we got Hene, we got Mike, school teacher Nid, Jay Breezy. We got people tuning in on YouTube and the phone lines. By the way, we're uh, open at 323-784-9622. Press option one tonight. And with that little introduction, Carla, the mic is yours. You want to open it up in prayer tonight? I will. I want to I want to put out a disclaimer for myself first tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've really been thinking today about what to bring tonight. And um, I had written this some time ago. I haven't shared it with very many people. But tonight I'm going to be bold. It's um, a, a collection of questions and um, reflections that I've had for years and years and years. I don't know if other people have had these questions, but I wanted to share what God had has uh, shown me concerning these questions and thoughts and curiosities and just put it out there for um discussion if you'd like or not whatever but anyway I will open in prayer and father I just thank you I thank you for Omega Man and other shows like it that we can still um, discuss you talk about you uh, bring up the name of Jesus still in a, a land that is free that we are able to do that um, I've never really thought about how much I've taken that for granted until the most recent years as we've seen so many changes happening in our country. But I just thank you uh, for all the times that I didn't say thank you for the freedom that we live in and the um, the privilege that we have had to live in a country that has allowed us to worship freely who we 
who we worship, and that is you, the Almighty God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Savior of all mankind who will who will respond to him. And I just um, I just pray, Father, that you would um, protect me as I share. Um, I'm not trying to create a new doctrine by any means, but just to share some thoughts. And um, if there's anything, Father, that is that is wrong that you don't want your people to know, then I ask you to give me a sharp correction right right now, a right now correction that I will not speak it out. And I just praise you and. Uh, just ask your blessings on everyone who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen. To be with you tonight, Sister Carla, and the mic is yours. Take it away. Okay. I have uh, named this. It's it's really an article, I guess you would call it. Um, I call it, What Do You Think? Because I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I really want to know what you think. Um from the time I was born again in 1977 and have been in the Word of God, over the years I've had questions and um, curiosities would often present themselves. And from time to time, you may have heard me say that I put it on my spiritual bulletin board. Um, this is something that's in the spirit realm, and it may be a question that's on my heart that I really would like for God to answer um, but I'm going to move on, and at some point, he will answer me. Sometimes it's very quickly. Other times, it's through a um, process of time or circumstances that take place will present an answer to the question that I've had. So I have these up on this bulletin board, and uh, these are some questions, and I'm going to read the questions, and then I'm going to tell you um, share with you what God has shared with me concerning this from his word. Okay, so um, very early on in reading the Bible, and even as a young mother, I was saved in, um, I was saved before I had children, but I was a young Christian when I had started having children, and sometimes children can ask some really deep things uh, to get you thinking, and so um, this is one that that my little son, um, as he began to learn about the Bible, and we would read Bible stories, he asked me, and of course, I had had the question myself, and I'm sure many people have had this question, but in the Garden of Eden, when Cain killed Abel, it says that Cain was sent out of the garden, and he went out and knew his wife. So, where did Cain get a wife? You know, if, um, if Adam and Eve were the first two people in the world, then where, where did this woman come from? She's not spoken of in, in the Garden of Eden. And so we're just left with that question, where did Cain get his wife? Okay, I'm just going to read the list of questions, and then I'm going to go to uh, the explanations that God gave me. Another question for me was, 
if everyone came from Adam and Eve, then how can there be so many different kinds of peoples, races, colors, on and on? Um, That was a curiosity to me. Uh, The third, number three, is if man was created in Genesis chapter 1, we're told in Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so uh, male and female, he created them. It is said that in Genesis chapter 1. So why in Genesis chapter 2 does it start over again with Adam. We're going to talk about that. Where was the Garden of Eden and where is it now? The Garden of Eden was an actual place on the earth. Um, You know, people say it's here, it was there, uh, looking at the geography, the rivers, all of these things, they can kind of, you know, say where it possibly was. But here's my question. I mean, we can go to Israel and we can see the tomb where Jesus was laid. We can see uh, different landmarks uh, that are spoken of in the word. But I'm pretty sure if man knew exactly where the Garden of Eden was, there might be something like a an amusement park set up there. You know, the Garden of Eden amusement park where man could capitalize on uh, the location and the um, the fame of it and everything. So where is it? Where was it? Where is it? I'm going to share that with you. Number five, why has the Ark of the Covenant never been located? You know, the same like Noah's Ark. Why, why have we not been able to actually find it? Uh, but now the the ark, Noah's Ark, I've, I've not really put too much thought into that. But the Ark of the Covenant was, was an important piece uh, of history and an important piece of God's people and the church. And so uh, that has been a thought of mine. Another question was, how did the Hebrews become God's chosen people? Out of all the peoples that there are in the world, how did they become his, his chosen people that we read about the history in the Old Testament? I'm going to share what God has, uh, to me, been the answer to that. And I just love it whenever these things are um, shown in the scripture and in the word. Another one is, if Adam was made in God's image and after his likeness, how is it that he had the capacity to sin? Because there is no sin in God. And that always puzzled me that if Adam was made in the image and likeness of God, how did how could he even sin? Okay, just a curiosity, just a wonderment that I had. Okay, number eight, what about these angels that supposedly had sex with humans? That always made me wonder as well. Okay, so let's begin 
I'm going to begin to um, share with you the answers to these that I believe that God has shown me in the scripture. Now, you know, you're not going to look in the concordance and find this question and then find this particular answer. But over the years, as I have searched the Bible, read the Bible, um, just like one day, this all just kind of fell into place, almost like a puzzle. All the pieces begin to fit for me. And so I've kind of kept this to myself, but I thought, you know, this is the last um, show for me on the air this year. And so I think I'm just going to go out with a bang and put it out there and um, just share it. it. I want (laughs) to share these things with, with all of you. Okay, so of course we have to start in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And in verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, I've read those scriptures many, many, many times, but never have I stopped to ask the question, you know, when we read on in Genesis 1, when God begins to speak order to the earth, to this void that was without, the earth that was without form and void, and he began to speak, let there be light. And there was light. Everything that he did was, it says, good. It was good. And at one point he said, very good. So, If everything God did was good, then why wasn't it good from the get-go? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, so in reading the Word of God, I recalled that in um, Revelation, this is where I found the answer to why was there darkness upon the face of the deep, and the earth was without form and void. In Revelation 12, 7 through 9, gives us some insight. Something major happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Revelation 12, 7 says, And there was a war in heaven. Okay? When God created the heavens and the earth, there it was, and it was perfect. But there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. See, Satan started out in heaven, but he was cast out into the earth, and that caused something to happen to the earth. I believe from Genesis 1-1 that when God created the heaven and the earth, it was good, but when Satan was cast down to the earth, darkness happened. Confusion arrived. Destruction arrived. Chaos arrived. 
that's why it was without form and void. That's why darkness was upon the face of the deep. Something cataclysmic happened when Satan was cast to the earth. You know, I think it's um, interesting that when Satan was cast to the earth, um, he had the whole earth to roam around on. But when God started uh, putting things together and then he had the Garden of Eden out of all the places on the earth that Satan could be, he chose to show up in the garden. And that's where God was doing a work. And Satan is still that way. Everywhere that God is doing a work, he will show up. That's what he likes to do. Okay. Jesus himself states in Luke 10:18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So what was this war spoken of in Revelation 12:7? Why was Satan cast out? Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Art thou cut down to the ground, who didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will. This is Satan speaking now. God says, For you said in your heart, Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So we see from this set of scriptures that Satan was cast out of heaven. Why? It is written that he initiated a mutiny in heaven against God. And as leaders of mutinies always do, he employed other angels to join him in his coup. But to his demise, he failed and was kicked out of heaven. Before this time, Satan held an honorable position in heaven. He was the son of the morning. Ezekiel 12 through 15 gives a further description. Now, let me look that up. I have, I have a list of what it says, but I want to read it from the scripture. Ezekiel 12. Is that right? Ezekiel 28. Okay, Ezekiel 28. 12 through 15. Okay, it says, this is Ezekiel. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle and gold. 
the workmanship of thy timbrels and of thy flutes was prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. Thou, the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned, therefore. I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before the kings that they may behold thee. Okay, so in those scriptures, we see that Lucifer was at one time full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, having been in Eden, the garden of God. He was created by God. He was beautifully adorned, every precious stone his covering. Music emanated from him. The anointed cherub provided covering, was upon the holy mountain of God, walked in the midst of the stones of fire, and was created in perfection. That is, till iniquity was found in him. What was the iniquity that caused him to be cast out? He wanted to take God's place. He wanted to overthrow God's position. It is the same iniquity found in all of us before we submit to God. We want to be our own God. We want lordship over our own lives. Satan was lifted up because of his beauty. Isaiah twelve seventeen. his wisdom was corrupted by reason of his brightness, such as his splendor, his light, his beauty, his intelligence. He took pride like it was of his own doing. He took credit for what was given him by God. You know, I can remember when my son, my oldest son, um, my daddy used to like to pick at Mike and me. And when our first baby was born, you know how when you have a new baby, they are the center of your universe for a while. And every little noise, every little whimper, mom and dad will jump up and run to the baby. And my daddy used to get great delight out of that. And he would sit in his recliner and he would watch us. And one day, or many times, he would say to us, that baby is smarter than you and Mike put together. Because he could see that the baby was learning to almost like control us with his, with his little whimpers and things. But what my daddy didn't realize, you know, in the Hebrew, um, uh, the, among the Hebrews, they blessed. It was very important to bless the children. Now, our society is not into that too much. We don't 
bless our children. We spoil them, <laughs> but we don't bless them. But my daddy would was blessing our firstborn child by saying that he was smarter than Mike and me put together. Well, guess what? He ended up being smarter than Mike and me put together. I mean, Mike and I were average students in school, but Wade excelled in school. He graduated from high school, actually in the second grade, well, even before that. I remember he was just a toddler, and he began, when I would read him a book, he would begin to point to a letter. And you know how you talk to babies, and I would go, yeah. And then the next page, he would point to a letter, and I would say, yes. Well, I realized he was pointing to the same letter. So I, I thought, well, that's kind of weird that he would be pointing to the same letter. So I told him, I said, that's an E, Wade. That's an E. And so then I would turn the page and he would point to an E and say, E, E. Well, the next day he would point to a different letter. That's how he learned his letters. So a friend of mine, a school teacher, came over to have coffee with me one day, one evening, and Wade was sitting on the floor, and I had bought, you know, those little wooden blocks that have all the numbers and letters on it. And he was just, like, not even three years old. And he would hold up the block and say the letter. And I would say, yeah, you know, and the lady was looking at me. And after a little while, she realized that he was, he was actually knowing what those letters were. And she said, you know what, he... he knows those letters. And I said, oh, yeah, he, he knows all those letters. And she said, well, did you know that's very unusual for a child that young? Well, he was my first baby. I didn't know it was unusual. But Wade was very smart. In the second grade, he made a perfect score on his California achievement test, and the school made a big deal out of it. I mean, I, you know, they wanted to make sure I was going to be at the awards ceremony. And I said, oh, I, I will be there. But I didn't see the big deal. But, you know, to the world, it was a big deal. So when he graduated valedictorian uh, of his high school, he also won um, state in UIL science and biology. You know, he's just a really smart kid. He loved learning. And I told him one day, of course, I would I would pray over him because he would be he was very conscientious and he would worry about a test. So I would lay hands on him, and I would I would um, pray over his mind to be able to recall those things that he had learned when the test questions would come. That he would supernaturally recall that information that he had learned, and he would make perfect on all of his tests. And um, he graduated um, magnum cum laude from Texas A&M, and he's a doctor today. And so, you know, I told him, I remember very early on, I, I said, Wade, I want you to know that this is not anything that you have by your own strength. This is a gift from God that." God has gifted you with this ability. So, see, I didn't want him to be like Satan, being 
uh, puffed up in pride because of his brightness, because of his wisdom. And I wanted to make sure that he knew the source of this gift that he had and that he would thank God for it and never take credit for what was given him by God. Okay, so Satan became an enemy of God. He was cast out of heaven into the earth and the earth became corrupted. Heaven was rid of evil. Therefore, it is written in Revelation 12, 12, Rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So, see, heaven was delivered of him, and the earth was cursed because of him. And then in Genesis 1, the second verse, the second part of the second verse, God began to deal with the chaos Satan caused upon the planet. So while reading the story of creation for the umpteenth time, actually, the reason I had started reading Genesis again is because when my husband and I transferred from Groves, Texas to Jasper, Texas, and I had begun to meet a lot of the women out there and they all were interested in learning about God and the Bible and so they wanted to have a Bible study and would I lead it and I said okay what do y'all want to study and they said well let's just start in Genesis and I thought oh dear God (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so we'll start in Genesis so I started reading the book of Genesis once again And a very amazing thing happened as I was reading, and I read it out loud. But as I began to read, I began to see. I began to see what I was reading. It was like, I mean, I was sitting in my living room, but what was happening was bigger than my living room. It was almost like I was sitting in front of a panoramic screen and as I read I saw it happen Genesis 1 3 and God said let there be light and there was light so on the screen it was dark and then as soon as God said let there be light there was light light appeared in Genesis 1 6 It said, and God said, well, let me go there and read it because I kind of skipped it in this article that I wrote. Um, Genesis 1-6. And if you're just tuning in out there, we're live right now with Minister Carla Butad. CarlaButad.com is her website. And I want to welcome you if you're here for the first time. Amen. Okay, Genesis 1-6, it says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And I saw it happen. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Okay, so I see this happening. Um, again, on the screen, there it was. 
the firmament, the space between heaven and earth. And in verse 9, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And I saw it instantly, the dry land and the seas. And in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth vegetation, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and I saw it there it was grass herb yielding seed fruit trees yielding fruit with its seed there it was and it was beautiful and God saw it and it was good in verse 14 and God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. And there I saw it. Every bit of it. The lights to divide the day from the night. The suns, the moon, the stars. It was all there. Okay. And then in Genesis 1.20. And God said. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great sea monsters and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw that it was good. So there we have it. All of the creatures in the water, in the fowl, in the air, there they were. Okay. And he, um, let's see. And he blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then in verse 26, it says, Well, let me see. Let me go ahead and. Read 24, and God said that the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after its kind, and the cattle after their kind. See, cattle, cattle, not just a couple of cows, cattle, um, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after its kind, and God saw that it was good. So, see, he didn't just have two red birds and two blue birds and two dove and two geese. No, the, the, it was filled with all of these fowl of every kind and cattle, not just a couple of cows, a couple of deer. No, many herds of them I saw. Okay, now this is where it, it got a little scary to me in verse 
26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female he created them. And when I read that, oh my goodness, on this panoramic screen of, of creation happening, there were not a man and a woman, but male and female, many males, many females, every color, every kind, every, um, all of the ones that I knew about on earth that were a curiosity to me. If they all came from Adam and Eve, how were some of them Chinese and some of them um, African and some of them Native American Indian and some of them Asian and some of them of all the different peoples in the world? They were there. Multitudes of them were there. Okay, now don't don't let me lose you here because because all of this is going to make sense in a minute. Okay, so we had the Chinese, the Japanese, the light-skinned, the dark-skinned, the light-haired, the dark-haired, and all in between. The brown-eyed, the blue-eyed, the green-eyed, the tall, the short. You get the picture. All at once, I found myself amazed and shocked. Whoa! That was my response. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. This does not match with everything that I've been taught all my life. What is this? Okay. Now, hang on. It seems that my... Okay. So suddenly, I saw the answer to my lifelong question. Lord, if everyone came from Adam and Eve, how can there be all these nationalities? But I could not argue the fact that the word states in Genesis 3.20 that Eve was the mother of all living it does say that. Let me go to that. Genesis 3.20. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Okay. But now, okay. So Eve was the mother of all living. Yet, what I read and understood in the past was not connecting with what I had just comprehended with my eyes. Now, this was an awesome thing to see. So, from now on, I'm going to refer to these as the created ones. Okay? In Genesis 1.27, it says, male and female, he created them. The word created means 
presented and manufactured. Now, this is going to make a big difference here in a minute. But these male and females were created. They were created just like the light, the stars, the moon, the vegetation. Everything that God created happened and showed up instantly. And so these male and females showed up instantly. And I will refer to them as the created ones because they were presented. Okay. God blessed the created ones and commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply. Then he gave them dominion over all that he created. All this God did in six days, right? Okay, in Genesis 1.31 it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So another question I always had was, Lord, if the creation of man was done in Genesis chapter 1 on the sixth day, why is Adam not spoken of until Genesis chapter 2? Okay, the answer came in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Okay, let's read that. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Which man are we talking about here? We're talking about not the ones that were created in Genesis 1, but we're talking about the man that God formed of the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground. This formed man was God-breathed. The ones that were created in Genesis 1.26 were created, they were made, but they were not formed by God, nor were they breathed into by God. Adam was a spiritual man. The word spirit means breath, pneuma, right? So when God breathed into Adam, he became a spiritual being. Okay. So, this formed man, Adam, now had the breath of life. God breathed breath in him. The breath of God, which caused this formed man, Adam, to become a living soul. So, he became alive not only consisting of a body that God had formed, but now also a living soul. Even more than that, this formed man had received God's own spirit as he received the breath of life. This formed man is God-breathed, filled with the breath, the life, and the spirit of God. Over in the New Testament, Jesus, 
on the day of his resurrection, appears to the disciples. They were shut up in a room, fearing for their own lives. And Jesus just shows up in the midst of them. He shows them the marks in his body, proof that he is indeed the risen Lord. He extends to them a blessing of peace, and then he commissions them. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So now they became God-breathed, just like Adam. They became spiritual men. He said, receive. He, he imparted to them the Holy Ghost right there to the disciples. The word holy means father of the king. And the word ghost means breath. Isn't that interesting? Adam the formed man was a spirit man. He was a living soul. And we know that later Eve was taken out of Adam. So she is also a living soul. So it would stand to reason by the word of God that all those who would come from these two would also be living souls. So those spoken of in Genesis 3.20, of whom Eve was the mother of all, that is, all living, be referring to those who came out of these two living souls who were God-breathed and whose descendants would be different from the created ones who did not possess the God-breathed breath of life. So, have you ever wondered how the Hebrews became the chosen people of God? The race that came from this formed man, Adam, became God's own descendants, God's family, his chosen ones, his sons and daughters of God himself if you will. The Hebrews, Hebrews, the definition is patriarch, a descendant of a patriarch. Patriarch, Webster's definition of the word patriarch, is a founding father. And after all, God is the founding father. Could the knowledge of these created ones, the ones in Genesis 1.26, all the other nations. Explain where Cain got his wife. Genesis 4.16, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden, and Cain knew his wife. She was one of those created ones. She was a flesh and blood woman, having a body and a soul, but devoid of the breath of life that only comes from God. So the created ones were, if it could be said, godless or without God. 
which also answered another question of mine. And that was, why is it that all these other nations did not know God? God was given, he gave himself to Adam and Eve and the descendants that came out of Adam and Eve, but all the other nations around. And if you think about it, all of these other nations were without God. That's why they um, made their idols to worship. They wanted a God to worship and they didn't have the almighty God. So they created their own gods to worship. That made me understand why all the other nations don't have the almighty God as their father. So they have a need to worship something. So they created their own gods out of statues. They created statues. They created idols. They uh, carved them out of wood and stone and set up altars to them and sacrificed to them. All of this was because they were not God-breathed. They didn't have a spiritual father like Adam and Eve and their descendants had. Okay, so that's why all the other nations of people were only wicked and worshipped idols of false gods. Just to the word, uh, Gentiles is interchangeable with nations or heathens because they were godless. So could this also explain Genesis 6-1 where it says, And it came to pass when men, those created ones, began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God, the God-breathed ones, or those who came out of Adam and Eve, saw the daughters of men, the created ones, that they were fair, and they, the God-breathed ones, the sons of God, took of them wives of all whom they chose. And this displeased the Lord. He did not approve his people, the God-breathed ones, Mixing with the created ones. Therefore, he put a life limit of 120 years on mankind. You know, it says um, it, whenever the, the Hebrews were going from one place to another and they were passing through all these peoples, God said, do not take their sons for your daughters and do not give your daughters unto their sons. God was very particular about keeping the bloodline pure. That's what that was all about. Okay, so he put a, t a life limit of 120 years on mankind. Genesis chapter 5 lists ages. Of those who lived 930 years, 912 years, 905 years, 910, 895, 962 years, 365 years, 969 years, and 777 years, but no longer. 120 years was the new age limit. 
That's why Moses, when he turned 120 years old, God sent him up the mountain to die. He wasn't sick. The word says in Deuteronomy 34, 7, that he was, his um, eye was not dim, nor his natural strength abated. He wasn't dying. He was strong and healthy, but he had reached the limit that God had put on mankind. Therefore, he had to die. His time was up. Genesis 6, 4 refers to the two species of man, the sons of God, who I think were those who came from Adam, the God-breathed ones, and the daughters of men were the daughters of the created ones, the ones that were not God-breathed, the godless ones, the sons of men. And I believe that the mixture, I believe that the very DNA of these peoples were different. The DNA of the God-breathed man was different from the DNA of the created man. And the mixture of those two DNAs caused a freak of nature to occur that brought about the giants that are mentioned. Genesis 6-4, there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same mighty men of old, men of renown. Now, I've heard it preached, and I've heard it taught, and I've heard it discussed about these angels that came and had sex with humans, and that's what caused these giants. However, Angels do not take to themselves wives. Even in the New Testament, uh, someone asks about, you know, who's, uh, if this guy had a wife and then he died, and so she married a brother and he died, and she married the other brother and he died. Well, in heaven, whose who's husband is she going to, who's going to be her husband? And, and, Jesus says, or it's answered to her, that they will, um, they will be as the, when you go to heaven, you will be as the angels, and there is no marriage given in heaven. So there's no, no, uh, angels don't have husbands and wives. So when it says in the word that they took wives of whomever they chose, That made me question this angel theory because angels do not take unto themselves wives. Just a thought, not trying to change anybody's theology, just sharing the questions and the answers that I have discovered through the word and sharing those with you and reminding you that the the title of this article is What do you think? Not trying to tell you what to think, only sharing. So having established the fact that Adam was different from these created ones, why then did this God-breathed man, formed and fashioned by God himself, filled with God's own breath or spirit, 
in God's image and after his likeness have the capacity to sin. It is written in Genesis 2-7, Adam was formed of the dust of the ground, right? That is dirt, the dirt of the earth. The same dirt of the earth that became accursed and thrown into utter chaos and darkness when Satan was cast out of heaven into the earth. Remember we read that? So Adam's body, the flesh body, was made from the corrupt material. He was not formed from divine dirt. He was not formed from the dirt of the Garden of Eden. This distinction is made in Genesis 3.23 when it says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So, Adam was taken are formed before the garden existed. He was formed outside of the garden. The garden didn't exist until after Adam was formed. Now let me go there and say um, in Genesis 2-7 where it says, And the Lord God formed man, Adam, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. You see, when, when I was reading this, and God formed man, Remember when you were a kid? I don't know if you ever did, but when we, when I was a kid, me and my cousins, when it would rain, we would play in the dirt and we could make mud balls and, you know, form, make little mud men. And when, when I read that about God forming the man out of the, the dust of the earth, um, the dust of the ground, it was almost like I could see his Huge hands coming down and fashioning and forming. Um, that word um, formed, I thought I had that in here somewhere. Um, but it's different from created. Formed means fashioned and um, molded and, you know, it, 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 it didn't just happen by itself. It didn't just get there. Like when he created uh, male and female, he created them and there they were. But no, Adam was formed and fashioned by God's own hands. So he was taken or formed outside the garden. The garden didn't exist until after Adam was formed. God wanted his people, the God-breathed ones, to live apart from the rest of the world. The garden was God's little kingdom on earth where Adam and 
that generation that came from Adam would have lived in the Garden of Eden, protected by God, where everything was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no trouble. There was no violence. There was no bad weather. Everything was perfect in the garden. And that's where he intended us to live forever. It's where the kingdom of God was first established on the earth. He intended Adam and all who would come from Adam and Eve, the mother of all living, the mother of all the God-breathed ones, to live with him forever in the Garden of Eden. The kingdom of God is a heavenly spiritual realm that existed within the earth's physical realm. And it was the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were moved by and obeyed their flesh, they were sent forth from the garden. So in actuality, Adam was a God-filled spirit man walking around in a corrupt flesh body, just like all of us who have become born again through Jesus Christ. Our flesh is corrupt. Our spirit is made perfect when we are born again. But we're walking around in a flesh body that was corrupted. The ground that man was taken from was corrupted when Satan was cast out of heaven into the earth. The spirit is made perfect instantaneously while the sanctification of the flesh is an ongoing process to be completed only when our bodies are redeemed and changed at the time spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. It says, For the, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal put on immortality. And they were sent out of the garden, God placed, after they were sent out of the garden, um, God placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It, Genesis, that's Genesis 3.24. A key word in this passage is cherubim. Upon studying cherubim, they are only mentioned in connection with the presence of God. They were mounted on each side of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God is said to have resided 
in Exodus 25, 19. In Samuel, in 2 Samuel 22:11, the Lord is said to have ridden upon a cherub. Cherubim are described standing side by side in the temple behind the ark with their wings touching wall to wall in a manner of protection of the realm of God's presence. 1 Kings 6 and 2 Chronicles 3. In Ezekiel 10, cherubim are mentioned again and again in the description of the glory of the Lord. In verse 1, they accompany the likeness of a throne, God's throne, no doubt. Okay, now let me go back to this. There was a page out of order for some reason. And I want to go back to that about the angels. Okay, since cherubim are only mentioned in reference to God's presence, then it seems that, uh, that since cherubim are keeping the way of the tree of life, then the Garden of Eden is presently with God. Interestingly, in Revelation 2-7, it says the overcomer will eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The word paradise, the definition is a park, an Eden, a place of future happiness. So paradise sounds like another word for the believer's understanding of heaven. Heaven is spoken of in Revelation 21 as the place where God shall wipe away all tears, where there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Isn't that the way it was in the Garden of Eden before sin and death entered in? In Revelation 21-2, this place comes down from God out of heaven, as beautiful and breathtaking as a bride adorned for her husband. So could it be that when it's all said and done, that God returns the Garden of Eden to his God-breathed ones, which we have become God-breathed ones, to live together forever with him as he intended it in the beginning? No longer kept from the tree of life, but rather having full access to it in the everlasting presence of the throne of God and of the Lamb. What about the Ark of the Covenant? I always wondered, you know, they, they carried it from place to place. How could somebody misplace the, the Ark of the Covenant? Why has it never been found? There are all manners of tales about where it is thought to be, although none can be proven. Not yet, anyway, not to this point. But I found in Revelation eleven nineteen, it says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark 
of his testament. There again, in heaven. So, um, let me go back to that last page. So here we have it. All the questions that have been in my spirit from the time I was a newborn Christian. And these, through reading God's Word, are the answers found through His Word, in His Word concerning these questions. And I believe that the Ark of the Covenant, too, was literally taken from the earth and was is with God today, just as the Garden of Eden, just as our Lord Jesus, and just as we will be caught up unto God. So the question is, what do you think? I think this is a fantastic program tonight. <laughs> well, it's it was, you know, just on my heart, um, you know, to share some of these things because, you know, I've shared it with very few, but when I do, they all find it very interesting and encourage me to write a book. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to write a book on it, but um, they are some interesting thoughts, and if, if anybody out there would like to call in and add anything to it or um, discuss a question that you've had, I would be interested in hearing your questions. Um, if you want to email me, I'd like to hear uh, your responses. Sometimes I, I remember um, I had an uncle that was very... Um, um, instrumental in my spiritual growth and when I had put this together I, I, I was discussing it with him and oh my goodness I had to drop the subject very quickly <laughs> because you would have thought that I was disputing the word of God um, as he knew it you know as as we've all been taught as we were growing up but you know I, I have often said to the Lord when I read the word, Lord, if I've learned anything wrong, I, I want to know the truth. It is important to me to know the truth. And there are times that I get very excited about different things and I so desire to share those things, but it may be something that I've never really heard before. So it kind of, um, makes me cautious to share it because of what someone might um, say or how they may respond or um, because I'm certainly not trying to rewrite history here. But, but I am um, interested in knowing the truth. And so one day in reading the word, um, and, and I even thought tonight, as I was asking the Lord what to bring, 
um, I've done a series of teachings. There's probably about seven installments that I've done on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And um, I'm going to get those together and and begin to share some of those, too, because God's really um, changed my life with a lot of these things that he has shown me concerning the kingdom. You know, um, I know that when Jesus was here, he he literally walked in the kingdom of God. He exhibited the principles of the kingdom of God while he was here. Um, and I, I don't think that when he was resurrected that he took all of that with him. In fact, I know that he came to he came to restore um, what was lost. He came to restore that to us. And so my question to God is, what does that mean exactly? You know, Jesus didn't just come for three years and leave and take it all with him and leave us here to to struggle until he comes again. And so one day I was reading um, Ephesians chapter three. I wish I had put the date that this came to me. Many times when God shows me something, I'll put the date out beside it. But I didn't. I didn't put the date out beside this, but it came to me in Ephesians chapter 3, and this is what it says. And then I realized that Paul was actually kind of saying the same thing. He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me towards you. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all See what the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages or the world, hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So see, he, Paul is saying to them at the beginning of that, he said, I'm fixing to tell you some things that have not been known before, but is now being revealed and I know that that the word of God contains all the mysteries of God and and it tells us in either Proverbs or Psalms that it is his desire 
to share his secrets with those who love him, who trust him. Um, and I believe that he desires. And the Bible is, is you know, multi-layered. It, it, it can be revealed to these people at this time. And then later, something else can be revealed through the very same verses for this time. And that's what Paul was saying. You know, these things that I'm fixing to share with you weren't known before unto your fathers before you. But now they are being made known for the for the church, for the sake of the church, that we might know them. Okay, so that sort of was like the answer to one of the questions when God would show me these things I would be so excited by them and and it would be like but Lord who can receive this I mean I've never nobody's ever taught this to me but but you've opened it up to me you've shown it to me but who can receive it and then he showed me those scriptures. And so that was sort of in the word where God gave me permission. You know, I give you permission to, to share some of these things. And sometimes it may not be well received. It may not be received at all. But still, it is something to be shared. And there are those who can receive it. And it's almost like, having a really good roast, you know, you can, you can eat on it and eat on it and eat on it and eat on it until you get every bit of the goodness out of it, if that makes sense. I just cooked a roast, so <laughs> we have leftovers and we eat the leftovers and then grind it up and put barbecue sauce on it, you know, so it can, it can go on and on and feed and and be different, although it's the same, if that makes any sense. So what do you think, Shannon? Did anything in there um, catch your attention? I think these are excellent questions that you had to ask the Lord. You know, there, there's so many, I mean, so many mysteries in the Word of God. But, you know, I believe that God wants to answer many of those questions. Absolutely. My grandmother used to be fond of saying, you know, son... There are deeper mysteries of God that he wants to reveal to his people. Mm-hmm. But are we interested in it is the question. Are we willing to, you know, spend the time with him uh, for him to speak right. with us? Or do we just want to be superficial Christians and just get by with the, you know, just the bare essentials? Mm-hmm. You know. And it is there. I mean, it's well, you know, it says, um, well, it goes on in three that he goes on to say, Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. He wants us to know the depth, the height, the length, the breadth. He wants us to know that. And I think he will reveal, you know, it's um, many times when people come to me and ask me questions. If it's something that God has shown me before, answered for me, I'll share that answer with them. But sometimes I don't have an answer. And I just say, have you asked God? And it's always the same look like, duh, (laughs) you know, why haven't I asked God? Um, But we can. God is interested in our questions and he he wants to answer our questions if we will ask him. You know, I had a friend one time, um, like I would share something. Oh, listen, listen to what God showed me. Uh, I was asking him this, and this is what he showed me. And her response was, well, you know what? I am always asking questions, and God doesn't answer my questions. I said, well, give me an example of how you ask him a question. And she'll say, okay, well, like I was reading this. And I stop and say, well, I wonder what that means. And she said, I don't get an answer. I said, well, you didn't direct your question to God. You don't just throw it out in the atmosphere, you know. It's like he's a person. You have to say his name. Lord, God, what does this mean? I know you know what it means. I want to know what it means. So try that and see. You know, because he does answer our questions. I mean, I even tell little bitty children, you need to ask God about that. Or have you asked God about that? Because he's got all the answers. He sure does. Amen. Yes. And I just, I mean, it's the most exciting life. If I can leave anything with the listeners um, for the end of 2015, it would be to encourage them to seek that more intimate relationship with God. Begin to incorporate um, him into your life, just like you would a family member. You know, talk to him. I had a, um, a preacher one time tell me, it was, it was a church that I was going to at the time, and I was growing in the Lord so quickly, and, and oh, I would just go every Sunday. I just couldn't wait to share with my preacher, you know, what God had shown me. And, um, and he said this, and he said this, and he said this, and he said this, you know. And, and he just looked at me with the strangest look. And he said, Carla, God is a man of very few words. And I'm like, what? 
have you read the Old Testament? I mean, you know, when he gave the instructions to build the, the tabernacle, oh my goodness. He's not a man of a few words. He he is concerned with every detail down to the thread and how big the stitches are supposed to be. You know, he's he he loves to have us talk to him. In fact, in that encounter that I had with Jesus, uh, one of the things he said to me, because I've always been a talker. Oh, my goodness, I stayed in trouble in school all the time because I was such a talker. And and I knew that, that it got on people's nerves sometimes. And so that was something that I had begun to dislike about myself, that, that I wanted to talk so much. And when I had that encounter with Jesus, he told me, he said, you know what? I love the sound of your voice. I wait for you to talk to me. I'll never be tired of hearing you talk. And that was a blessing to me. Although there were many things I didn't like about myself that I was talking to him about. And he said, you know, even those things you don't like about yourself... I created in you, and I'm going to perfect them for my purposes. And he, he continues to do that in my life, perfecting those, those things that I would call a bad characteristic. He's perfecting those things for his purposes. And I'm willing for him to perfect me, to correct me, to tweak me here and there. And he, he's that kind of a God, you know, he fashioned, he formed Adam. If he's going to take that kind of care to form Adam with his very own hands, he's personal. He's a hands-on God. He's not just way up there, um, you know, and maybe he'll hear me and maybe he doesn't. No, he hears you. Let me just put that to rest right now. If you're talking to him, he hears you. So I, I just encourage um, people to, to desire more in their relationships with God, more intimacy, more exchange, more teaching, more revelation, more love, more more of him that is going to make a difference in our life and in the world around us. We are the salt of the earth. That's what he calls us. You know, I, when I cook, um, it, I tell you, if you leave the salt out of something, I'll never forget, as a very um, young cook, made some chocolate chip cookies. And I'm a very literal person. And so as I was reading the recipe in school when I took home economics, we would measure out every little um, ingredient, the flour, the sugar, the butter, the salt, the soda, what, whatever was in it, we measured it out in a separate bowl. And so I was making these chocolate chip cookies and I had measured and measured and measured and measured and I was putting putting them in as they were called for. But when I got to the salt, it said, set aside. So all the ingredients went into the cookies, but the salt I set aside. 
Actually, it meant set aside all of the dry ingredients, then mix your wet ingredients. Then you combine the two. But I read it like, okay, put your flour in, put your butter in, put your this in, put your that in, and the salt set aside. So the salt never made it into the cookies. And I very proudly presented them on a plate to my dad. And he takes one and he bites into it and makes a face. And he said, something's not right. And I'm shocked, you know, because well, I followed the recipe. And he goes in the kitchen and he said, he's looking at the recipe. Well, I know you got the flour in there and the sugar and the this and the egg and the butter and all of this. Well, what about the salt? He said, what is this over here in this bowl? I said, the salt? He said, well, why didn't you put it in the cookies? I said, because it said set it aside. It never did say to put it in. But so, you know, I left out, left out the salt. And I'm telling you, without us being the salt of the earth, there is no savor. There is no flavor in the earth. We, it would be flat. We are to be like salt. You know, salt has cleansing properties. Salt has healing properties. And so that's what he means by us being the salt of the earth. We're going to put a flavor to the earth that wouldn't be there otherwise. That's absolutely right. If you're just tuning in, we're live with Minister Carla Butad. We've got uh, time on the clock for your call. If you want to call in right now, dial in at 323-784-9622. Carla, before Mm -hmm. we take a call, I want you to give out your website. Tell people how they can find you on the net. You have a book that's available. And tell people how they can support your ministry, please. Okay. Well, my website is Carla. Butad, that's Carla with a C, C A R L A, B is in boy, U, T is in Tom, A, U, D is in dog, Carla Butad at gmail.com. Well, then my website is Carla Butad.com. And then my email is Carla Butad at gmail.com. On the website, um, there are several pages there. Um, Some people may not know, but on the first page of the website, up near the top, there's these four little lines. Now, I didn't know about how to get to the other pages, but um, there's a little square that looks like four lines. And if you touch that, it will drop down and give you options to go to other places on the website. I think there is a a page with prayers. There is a page with um, audio and video. There's a page with... um, testimonies. I'm I'm not sure about that one yet, but anyway, there are several pages. There is a booklet that I have uh, only at this time, only one booklet, but there's, there's like about 50 of them in my heart. I just haven't gotten them out. Many of them are nearly finished, ready to publish, but right now I only have one booklet and it's called Fight for Your Life and it is a booklet on healing. Um, and for a donation of at least $10, because it does cost me to mail it and all of that, um, for a donation of $10, I'll be happy to send one. You must include on the request on the website 
on PayPal is where you would do that. There is a place to put a message. Just say, please send me the booklet and leave me your address there, and I can get that to you. Um, and on there, the PayPal is also where if you would like to make a donation to the ministry. Um, and then a, a physical address, if you would like a physical address, it is 213 Shoreline, that's S-H-O-R-E-L-I-N-E, Drive, Hemp Hill, that's H. E-M-P, is in Paul, H-I-L-L, all one word, Hemp Hill, Texas, zip code is 75948. So that's all the information that I have there now. I do have, um, I will be at Lake Hamilton December 27th through the 31st. Um, Love the winter camp. Uh, we have a, a New Year's Eve uh, meeting, and then we break and have a little party. We have testimonies, and we end the year with communion, and, which is very special. And then in February, we have the ladies' camp at Lake Hamilton. It's the third weekend in February. And then in March, March 7th, 8th, 9th and 10th, I will be in Muncie, Indiana. So if you're in that area, you can um, email me and I'll be happy to give you the particulars about that meeting. And right now, that's just about all I have on the calendar. In the meantime, I am a caregiver for my mother-in-law, full-time caregiver. And uh, my husband and I live with her and take care of her. And so when I'm not doing ministry, that's what I'm doing. But it's a privilege. And it's a privilege to have you on this program. We really love and appreciate you, Carla. I want to thank, thank you for you. doing these shows and looking forward to many more. We've got a call in the queue. Let's go. Um, we've got about 13 minutes on the clock. We've got plenty of time. Let's go to 646. 646, welcome to the show tonight. How are you doing? Caller from 646, hello? Oh, they just may have been listening. You can listen. Oh, okay. If you press 1, though, that'll put a little flag next to your name, and I'll bring you on the air. If you just want to listen, you can also dial the number. Just sit there. No worries. <laughs> well, we've got a great turnout tonight. Good. Awesome. And, and you know, I do like to ask the Lord answers uh, questions, and, and he's answered some. Others, I'm waiting. <laughs> uh, yes, me too. I have some still on my bulletin board out there, but it's a, you know, it's a spiritual, a spiritual thing. Um, but, but waiting for a physical um, answer to show up, and yeah, but he does. He likes to hear our questions, and yes. I love asking them. I, I ask a lot of questions. So he's not he's not intimidated by our questions at all. <laughs> no, and I believe God has a sense of humor too. <laughs> oh, he, I know he does. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> me too. Me too. Because <clears throat> laughter doeth the heart good like a medicine. And speaking of and laughter, we, I was laughing mm -hmm. this evening. I was riding down the road, Carla, 
and I was at this uh, incredibly long traffic light. Mm-hmm. Finally, it moved, and I'm pulling out, and I heard somebody honking their horn like crazy. Mm-hmm. It got irritating, actually. I'm thinking, what are they doing? <laughs> We're moving as fast as we can. You know, I was behind like two or three cars myself. So I'm moving up there, and then all of a sudden, I heard someone screaming from the top of their lungs, way back from mm-hmm. behind me. So loud, I, I said, where is that coming from? <laughs> and there was this van that must have gotten behind me. And they were screaming literally like someone was dying. Oh, dear. And it startled me, and I looked out, and they pulled up next to me, and they screamed out, Demons! (laughs) (laughs) Now, they saw my bumper sticker. Oh, boy. What's your bumper sticker? My bumper sticker says, Demons reading this, I bind you in the name of Jesus and command you to come (laughs) out. Now, either they were manifesting or they were mocking. I still don't know. Uh But I've never heard a blood-curdling scream like this going down the road. Oh, my goodness. Who so, knows? They may have gotten know. delivered. <laughs> I, it very well could have been. I That's wasn't even funny. wearing my magnet. You know, I have this huge magnet. And I wear, no. I have like three or four of these. I put one on the back of the, uh, the tailgate, and I put them on the sides of the truck. It's a huge, huge magnet. It's What's like it for? It's like bigger than 8 by 10. It, well, it says, um, we cast out devils in Jesus' name. Pray for the sick. Break witchcraft. Um, Jesus Christ is Lord, OmegaManRadio.com. It's an advertising sticker. Oh, okay. Now, I would have understood someone saw that. Now, I've had a lot of people react to that. People mm-hmm. have actually uh, blocked me as I was trying to pull out so they could jump out of the car and ask me, what's that mean? Do you do house clearings? You know, oh. I've had people contact me, and that's that's what it meant. it's meant for. People actually get behind you, and they'll they'll follow you. And when I get up at a stoplight, they pull out their, their phones, and they're taking pictures. Oh. Some are serious. Hmm. Others laugh and giggle. <laughs> but I wasn't even carrying those things. I just had these little tiny bumper stickers. So maybe the demon was manifesting that guy. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. Well, you know what? It's interesting. Um, <clears throat> there's a new television show as I was going through the guide one day, and it's called um, – um, Wow, can't think of the name of Demons something. Demon Files, maybe? Really? Demon Files. Yeah, and I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder what this is all about. So I clicked on it because, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it's not really about demons like we know demons. But this was, and it's a, it's a retired uh, police officer, I think. And that's all he does now. And he he does those house clearings, like you were saying. And so I was really interested to see, you know, is this on the up and up or is this quackery? Well, actually, he does call them what they are. He does look in the house and he can see reasons why demons would be attracted to the house. Amazing. Um, he, He confronts the people about their demonic stuff. And he uses the name of Jesus, although I believe that um, he also uses like a Catholic um, um, exorcism prayer book, which and he puts on a CD and plays it throughout the house, you know, just to stir the, the spirits up. But when it comes right down to it, he's using the name of Jesus Christ. 
and commanding those spirits to get out of the house. And then he teaches the people, you know, the next time you have this activity or that activity, since they've, you know, he, he makes them, if you're willing, if you're not willing to get rid of the stuff that he says you need to get rid of because this is what's drawing the demons, then he, he just quits, you know, I'm done. But it, those that are serious, when he leaves, he instructs them, this is your house and you have the right to command them to get out in the name of Jesus. And I thought, well, that's a step in the right direction. Good know? for him. That's awesome. I mean, he also takes the, the um, you know, how the priest used that little thing on a chain with the incense. They do that. You know, some of this stuff is sure. I'm, I'm not in in agreement with. But, but he does use the name of Jesus. And so. Well, now that will work. I, yes. Yes, I was glad to hear it. And I tell you what, like you said, the man letting out this scream looking at your bumper sticker. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, there, the, these are the days that we are going to begin to see more and more demonic manifestations that, you know, the same people that will pull up and put, take pictures of your car and laugh and mock you will be calling you one day. <laughs> They'll be looking Absolutely. for that picture on their phone to see what your number is. When a demon manifests in their house, they'll want to know who to call. Well, look, we're going to see more and more. Absolutely. Demonic uh, possession, demonic manifestations. Yeah. And, you know, I think the people at large out there, you know, they're just the general public that don't maybe don't even go to church or even know Jesus is Lord. You know, right. they, they believe in the supernatural. And, sure they uh, do. You know, billions out there, they they know, you know, whether they call them ghosts or whatever, they know right. that there's evil spirits out there. And, um, you know what, you can work with people like that. That's right. That's the harvest field anyway, isn't it? That's right. Yes, it is. Amen. Yes, it is. There's some that, uh, you know, just you'll never be able to convince that a Christian can have a demon. Well, don't waste your time on it. Right. You know, give them the truth and move on. Because there's 7 That's billion it. people on the globe and billions that do want your help, folks. You That's work right. with those. Amen? Amen. It's an exciting t time to be alive, Sister Carla. You know, Pastor Wynn really Worley is. of Hegwish Baptist Church uh, used to say 20 years ago, he said there's a time coming where mm -hmm. deliverance ministry is going to move to the forefront because of all the demonic attacks that are going to be manifesting everywhere. And God is, uh, you know, he's reawakening this ministry for the last days. Yep. It seems like, you know, probably the demons had a long time to pretty much uh, go unopposed. But Run not the place. Now. <laughs> exactly. I know they're yeah. not happy about it, that yeah. people are waking up to their authority. And right. um, even some out there that may be misguided and try to smoke a demon out with, <laughs> with some incense. Uh, right. The fact that he used the name of Jesus Christ, the demons have to respond. That's right. Amen. That is exactly right. And... Um, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be alive, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, folks, this is an exciting uh, ministry to get involved in. Amen. God is looking for men and women to say, here I am, Lord. And you know what? As you begin to understand that we've got authority in the name of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of these demons. They need to fear the believer out there mm -hmm. who knows their authority in Jesus' name to cast those demons out. Then um, what do you got to fear? Amen. That's right. You know, it's time to get busy. Yes. 
Jesus said, occupy till I come. And that is not a, a, a resting word. That is a word of action. Amen. We've got a job to do. It's time to do some exploits. Amen. And we've got to be careful about the evil reports we listen to, folks. Sometimes yeah. I listen to a little too much of it, and then it starts to pull me back into the old days, you know, being paralyzed by fear. I'm not going backwards. Mm-hmm. And I've learned, you know what? I don't have time for it. That's just a distraction, diversion of the enemy. Yes, be aware of what's going on around you, okay? I understand that. But don't let the enemy put fear into you because he is using propaganda, okay, mm-hmm. and mind control on people to, yeah. you know, to win the war. Without even That's firing right. a shot, so to speak. You know, Sun Tzu, the art of war. Mm-hmm. The the number, the number highest tactic of all the things that he taught was to beat your enemy without firing a shot. Using, yes. you know, a propaganda. And the enemy yeah, will do hus- that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say my husband and I. Um, when when a crisis happens or something in our family that is upsetting, we, we look at it now like the devil jumping up and going, boo! <laughs> he just wants to see how high he can make you jump. 90 seconds. <laughs> it's true. It's the truth. I was laying yeah. in my bed one time a few years back, and I'm, I got my eyes closed. I'm half asleep, and I felt something up next to my right cheek i was i was trying to doze and it went boo <laughs> scared the heck out of me i woke up got angry get out of here in the name of jesus <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's the extent of it you know folks yeah you get you get angry at the devil 60 seconds. get the hell out in the name of jesus <laughs> yes and go well, it's, it says that that in the end time uh we will look upon him and say this is what made the nations to tremble Yes. yes. You know, Carla, that's uh, that's heavy right there. Yeah, it is. And you, you think about, man, we allowed Satan, old Slewfoot, yeah. to yeah. deceive us and instill yeah. fear in us. All the while, he's laughing, saying, we fooled them. They didn't know the authority that they had. They could that's have done right. us some serious bodily injury. Mm-hmm. But we fooled them, and we, we got them to do other things. They'd, some didn't even use the keys of the kingdom. They didn't right. know, know what they were about. I heard a guy say that one time. Ten he said, the keys of the kingdom will never know what it means. Oh, God mm-hmm. have mercy. How sad to hear that. We're out of time. But not out of time, folks. We still got a job to do before Jesus takes us home or comes back, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Be ready to meet him if you die tonight. But work like he isn't coming back for 100 years. We got a job to do. Amen. And Amen. the job is to rout the enemy and Amen. take back the land in Jesus' name. Now, Sister Carl, we love and appreciate you. Merry Christmas to you. Or Hanukkah. Thank you. Same to you. Have a great yes. time with your family and fellowship. And um, Happy New Year. And we're looking forward to having you back on in January. See you next year. <laughs> CarlaButah.com, folks. I want to encourage you to go over there, order a copy of her book. If you can get out to one of the conferences she's going to be at, go out and meet her in person and support her ministry. Carla, if someone wants to email you, what's the best way to do that? CarlaButod at gmail.com. Praise God. We'll see you next time, Carla. Great All word right. tonight, as always. God bless you. God bless you. That's a great woman of God. If you missed last night's program, it was awesome as well. We've got that already in the archives. Okay. 
We're going to jump now to channel 3. That's 347-215-9677. 347-215-9677. Next up is Minister Natalie Olson. If you're here for the first time, welcome aboard. I want to say shouts out to the Soul Man. Go check out his radio program, Soul Man Gospel Radio. Check out some of his new tracks. We're going to have him back on the program soon. Hope everybody's doing great. We're going to have a marathon tomorrow and I think Thursday. We're going back into marathon mode. If you want to find out what's going on on this this show on a daily basis, just go to my wall on Facebook and you can see what we have scheduled for the day. And that way you can figure out what you like to listen to and what you can't because of a schedule. Uh, Be sure and get your copy from the archives. Excuse me. Okay, here we go. I'm going to uh, dial back in. <laughs> I had to laugh, though. That guy let out a blood-curdling scream, and he was just screaming. <laughs> going down the road. And I, I was curious. What's going on? And I sped up to catch up with him. He was in a van. And he looked at me, continued to scream. <laughs> and um, I, got a, I got a chuckle out of it. Praise God. It's great to see the demons tormented. Amen. We call that rolling deliverance. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you.